This episode is brought to you by Woodwing Software, makers of the Smart Styles plugin, which makes InDesign's great style features even better. Smart Styles remembers attributes like object size and shape, provides easier table and cell styling, and lets you create styles just by dragging a formatted object into a smart library. Find out more and download a free 30-day trial of Smart Styles and Woodwing's other smart plugins at woodwing.com. Welcome back to The InDesigner, the videocast that provides information, instruction, and insight for designers using and learning Adobe InDesign. I'm your host, Michael Murphy, graphic designer and Adobe certified expert in InDesign CS3. And this is episode 50, which I expected to be an extra special, no-holds-barred, mid-centennial, super-deluxe extravaganza, but that's just not going to happen. There's entirely too much going on on my end, and my options were put episode 50 off indefinitely until I could come up with something amazing, or just get a good, solid podcast episode out in the month of June. And that's what I've opted to do. And I'm actually pretty glad that that's how it worked out, because this episode is a very nice follow-up to the last episode about paragraph rules, which sparked a lot of interesting questions, suggestions, and comments on the blog. One of those questions was from Lucas, who asked if paragraph rules could help him achieve the look of a tab-topped text frame. And another podcast listener, Steve Brettschneider, emailed me and pointed me in the right direction for how to do this. I checked out Steve's technique, added a few bells and whistles of my own, and that's what I've put together for episode 50, Tab Top Text Frames. Here I have a text frame with a solid blue fill, and what I want to do is have the first line of text here that says fact file push outside the text frame and look as if it exists in a little tab poking out of the top. So the first thing I'll do is option double click on the text frame itself to open up the text frame options dialog box. In there, I'll click on the baseline options tab, and the first thing I want to set here is to change its first baseline offset from the default value of Ascent to Fixed. And notice what happens when I do that. The first line of text has now been pushed outside the frame, and its baseline sits on the very top edge of that text frame. That's all I need to do for the baseline, but while I'm in here, I'll go back to the General tab and make a change to the text frame's insets. I'll put a 1pica inset on the bottom as well as on the left and right sides of the frame, and I'm going to leave the top alone for the time being. We're going to come back to that later in the episode, and you'll see why. So for now, I'll just click OK. Now I need to start building out the tab effect around this text. To do that, I need to select, or at least get my cursor into, this line of text. That's going to be a little tricky to do, since the text is not inside the text frame anymore. Let's look at this close up. I have to watch and see when the cursor changes its appearance, which it does right about at the baseline or just above it. Then I can click and get my text cursor in that line of text. And that's all I need to do. I don't have to have the whole line selected. Once my cursor is in there, I can hit Command Option J to open up the Paragraph Rules dialog box, which is where the tab will be built. The first thing I'm going to set is a rule above, which I'll turn on and set to a weight of 14 points. I'll change its color to sidebar blue, which matches the fill on the frame, 
and make it a dotted stroke. Then I'll change its gap color to sidebar blue as well, which fills in the spaces in that dotted stroke and leaves me with just the rounded ends here and over here, which you can't really see that well. I'll make this rule the width of the text, and in order to create the necessary space around the text, I'll add a left indent value of minus 1 pica. Now, 1 pica is the inset value of the text frame itself, so minus 1 pica lines this rule up perfectly with the left edge of the text frame. In order to keep the spacing consistent, I'm going to add a right indent of negative 1 pica as well. The next thing I have to do is change the offset value so that this rounded rule floats above the text just enough to create the top part of my tab. And 10 points looks about right, so I'm done with the rule above. Let's move on to the rule below settings. I'll turn on the rule below, also make it sidebar blue, but for the look I want, this needs to be a solid rule. That also means I don't need to do anything to its gap color. And I'm just going to bump the weight of this stroke up a little bit bigger than the rule above, making it 18 points. I'll change the offset of this rule below using negative values so that it moves up from the baseline. We covered how all that works in the last episode. That looks about right, but we can take a closer look to be sure in a moment. First, this rule needs to be the width of the text, like the rule above was, and it also needs the same negative one pica indent on both the left and right sides. Now let's go back and take a closer look at this offset value, because it's important that it be precise. I'll zoom in to show you that if this is off even a little bit, the effect doesn't work. Look what happens if the rule is too high or too low. It doesn't look seamless, so I'll have to make sure it's set just right. This looks perfect, so I'll click OK. And there it is, a text frame with a little rounded off tab at the top, and it's just one object using baseline options and paragraph rules. Now this is all well and good, but it's not quite perfect. See up here at the top? The spacing where I didn't apply any insets is not consistent with the other spacing on the left side of this frame, or the bottom, or the right side. I want that to look as even as possible all the way around. I saved this step for last because it slightly complicates the settings I already applied for the text and paragraph rules to create the tab, so we're going to have to make some adjustments. I just wanted to keep that part simple to start with, but we can fine-tune it now. Once again, I'll option double-click on the frame to open the text frame options dialog box, and I'll give it a six-point top inset. That's only half the amount of the other insets, but here it looks visually consistent, so that's plenty. But notice that this change also affects the first line. The inset value is pulling that fact file text down six points into the text frame, which is not the look I want. That text should be entirely visible in my little fake tab area and not extend into the frame. Not only that, both the rule above and rule below have traveled with the text too. It doesn't sit quite as high above the text frame anymore. That's another adjustment I need to make. The first thing I'll do is select this first line of text and go up to the baseline shift options in the control panel and just shift it up six points, which is exactly the same value as the top inset I applied to the frame. So that text now sits right back on the top of the text frame. The next thing I need to adjust is this tab, because paragraph rules did not move when the text they're applied to is baseline shifted. They stay put. I need to go to the paragraph rules dialog box 
and for my rule above I will add six points to its offset to get it back where I want it. Then for the rule below I'll increase its negative offset by six points as well. Now the effect looks exactly like it did before but with a top inset on the frame that looks consistent with the other sides of the frame. The good thing about this effect, like any other text that uses paragraph rule tricks, is that when the text to which it's applied changes, the width of the tab will change. Let's say someone wants to change fact file to hot topics of note, but someone decides to cut it back again to just hot topics. The tab effect will remain consistent with every change, preserving that look. Now if this seems like a lot of little settings to apply just for this simple effect, Try not to forget how InDesign features work with other InDesign features. If I want to apply this look somewhere else, I can save every setting I've made so far into an object style. But before I do that, I need to update some of the paragraph styles used in this sidebar. For this first line, I had originally applied a paragraph style called Sidebar Headline. If I hover over the style name, a tooltip box shows me the baseline shift and all of the values for my rules above and below. Rather than have these be overrides, I want to incorporate them into the style definition because this is now how I want it to look. With the style name selected, I'll go to the Paragraph Styles panel menu and choose Redefine Style. Now the style includes the baseline shift and the rule settings. Of course, as a designer, I'm never satisfied, so I'm going to make one other change to this style. I'll control click or right click the style name, choose Edit Sidebar Headline, go to the Drop Caps and Nested Styles area, and I'm going to add a new nested style using an existing character style in this document called Knockout. I'll set that to be used through one word, then click OK. Now I've got a bit of alternating color in this tab heading, which is kind of nice. Now that all of my textiles are in order, I can preserve the look of this entire frame and its contents. With the frame selected, I'll go to the Object Styles panel menu and choose New Object Style. I'll name the style Tab Topped Frame, and you can see that all of the attributes of this selected frame are already present here. It has my blue fill, the text frame baseline options that I set at the very beginning are applied here, and it has all of my specific text frame inset values. If I click Paragraph Styles in the Basic Attributes list at the left, I can make sure that my sidebar headline style is assigned to this text frame. And I can check Apply Next Style so that the frame follows all of the next style settings built into my paragraph styles. That's everything I want, so I'll click OK. Now, if I have new text that I want to look like this as well, I can bring in that text and then just click on my tab-topped frame object style, and there it is, all formatted in just one click. So all that work I did up front can be applied over and over, which is a great feature. But wait, it gets better. This is why I made this a podcast episode instead of just uh, putting an example up on the blog. Because the more you dig, the more you find. If I come up here to the Transparency and Effects options in the Control Panel and apply a drop shadow, watch what happens. The tab also gets the drop shadow applied to it, even though it's just made up of paragraph rules. So the illusion of a drawn shape is reinforced even more because the drop shadow supports it. This works because the effect is applied to the object, not just to the fill, which would ignore the tab. The cool thing is, it's not just drop shadows that work like this, it's all the effects in the effects panel. 
So if I wanted to add a bevel and emboss look to this, I can just choose that from the effects panel, then go in and fine tune its default settings uh, to reduce its size, make it more subtle, make it less cheesy, make it a chisel hard look and uh, a little less obvious. Once everything in there is just how I like it, I'll click OK, and that effect is applied seamlessly on the frame and the tab. And of course, I can simply redefine the object style to include these effects too. And right from the object styles dialog now, I can continue to make adjustments to experiment with this tabbed frame. I can shut off those effects and try a new effect like an inner shadow, which gives me this cutout look. Now, there's one little warning I have to pass along if you use these effects with this technique. You need to be aware of a flattening issue. From the window menu, I'll choose Output, Flattener Preview, and turn on highlighting of Raster Fill Text and Strokes. And here you see the rules that make up this tab and the text of the tab itself will be rasterized when this job is output or exported to something like a PDF X1A format. Now for type this size, that may not be a problem at all. It should look fine. But the smaller you go with the text here, and if you're using serif type with fine edges, you need to be careful. It's just something you have to be aware of. But this all goes to show that you can almost never dig too deep into any one topic without finding something cool. That's it for this episode. I'll be back in a few weeks with a new episode. Thanks again to Steve Brechneider for helping both me and Lucas with this technique. Just a reminder, I want to let everyone know that my two-day InDesign CS3 Masterclass for Designers will be held again on August 18th and 19th at EEI Communications in Alexandria, Virginia. For more information and a schedule of classes through the rest of the year, go to www.theindesigner.com masterclass. Until next time, feel free to post your comments or questions about this or any other episode on the blog at www.theindesigner.com, email me at info at or look for me on AIM or iChat as The InDesigner. This is Michael Murphy for The InDesigner Videocast. Thanks for watching.